Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Here we are, the 50th edition of the Clay Young Show on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107.3 mobile app. Clay Young and Orlando here. You know, you're, you're becoming like a sidekick. I think people are going <laughs> to expect you in the open and close of these shows every week. But hey, 50, made it to 50, and it's it's never felt so good. It is uh, pretty good. I mean, we have such a vast variety of topics we've spoken about. Absolutely. Everyone from U.S. senators to martial arts, martial arts instructors to Richard Condon. <laughs> That's pretty much the spectrum right there, right? You throw Condon. I don't know where on which extreme he would fall, but he's in one of them. Our guest today is making his third trip to the show, and that is former Baton Rouge Police Chief Jeff LaDuff. And we will talk about a great number of things. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl. I'm going to talk with you about that in just a second. We talk about his potential candidacy for mayor. He gives you his unvarnished thoughts on that. And we talk about making a murderer, which is like the new fascination of so many people around the country. And I, I still don't think you've, you basically know the documentary, even though I don't think you've watched a minute of it, have you? No, I but don't you, watch TV. But I, I get it. And, but you have, and, but you I'll heard the, the entire, I'll get to it eventually. You've heard sure. the entire story of oh, Stephen yeah. Avery. I mean, I've heard more details and that's probably why I don't, I haven't watched it yet. It's fascinating. It's, you know, it's, if it, if it, if that was a book, Ooh, that'd be a good I think book. you would just love that book. But the documentary plays out like well, a video. Well, books always better than the, sh- than the movie. Almost always. Almost always. Not, n- not, not always, but almost always. The book is always better because you get more details. Plus, it's your own imagination when you're reading a book. But anyway, the chief talks about making a murderer. He watched the entire thing. And I called him, and we laugh about that. I called him on a Friday, I believe, and by that Sunday, he had seen the entire thing. He he, he said once he started, he was hooked, and uh, he's got expertise on so many of these things. And you could you could see even when he's talking about it, and he offers his opinions of people and things that, as a law enforcement guy, even though he's retired, he's going to be level headed in his criticism of what he saw. He's not going to be overly emotional right. about it. So you'll get to hear the chief talk about that. The other thing we talked about is the Super Bowl. Now, do you you don't really watch American football, do you? No. And I, I watch the real football, soccer. I'm just going to I'm going <laughs> to ignore that. Y'all ignore Actually, it too. I'm going to ignore it. Real men play rugby, just Yep, saying. let's ignore let's ignore that too. That's a, she's only a couple clicks from having her mic turned off, but so the Super Bowl is a big deal here in America, and I think it's a big deal all over the world, even though there are other forms of football that happen. And I don't, I'm not one of these people who's bothered by people who watch rugby or whatever. I, I don't care. No, I, just, I just, I don't really give, I don't care. But I, I the, the game itself was pretty good. It was okay. There's a lot of talk about the halftime show with Beyonce. <laughs> Right. I, I'm not getting into that. I, you know, I don't know. Whatever. I barely watch halftime shows as it is. I, I and I was kind of glancing at this a little bit, but the game was it was okay. Cam Newton and you will hear us talk about Cam Newton, the quarterback for the Panthers, in the body of the show. 
Now, we sat to record that interview the day after the Super Bowl when emotion was still fresh after the way that that young fella conducted himself after the game, being pissed off about some of the questions. He was also bothered, apparently, by one of the players for the other team having an interview near where he was, and he could hear that, so he gets up and he leaves after about thirty, uh, about three minutes. And I didn't really care for that. It's like, be a man. Sit there. Answer the questions, face them down, and then you can leave, right? And he said after that that I'm not, I, I told, I'm on record as saying I'm a sore loser. And you show me a good loser and I will show you a loser. And there are many people who are going, yeah, you know, I agree with that. I'm not a good loser either. Here's the thing. I'm a terrible loser. I don't like losing at anything, nothing. I'm hyper-competitive, as you can attest to around here. Very, very competitive. But there is a difference between being someone who's okay with losing and being someone who shows class when losing. Right. There is a difference. I don't want him to be a good loser. I don't want anybody to be okay with losing. Why get into a competition if you've already made your mind up that, oh, I'll be okay if I lose? No, you try as hard as you can. And if you lose, those are the breaks. It may piss you off to, uh, to the highest level. But you know what? In the case of competition, man beats you, you shake his hand, you go on about your business, and then you put a fist through a wall someplace else and you, uh, you know. Maybe not. Oh, I have, well, yeah. Maybe I, I have maybe no, not. I have, it's a little bit well, of an exaggeration. Okay, you being a lady, I'm not a lady, I'm a man. That's different. I, I think if you want to throw a tantrum all by yourself, that's fine. It, you know, what did may, the wall do to you, Clay? Say what? What did the wall do to you? Why would you punch it? It was in my way. Oh, okay. So it, I'm just saying, not that I encourage that kind of thing, but if mm. it happens, and it does happen, people are emotional. You're in private. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. A, and, you know, and you probably are going to have to pay to get the wall repaired, which would be a deterrent from punching a hole through the wall. Uh, not that I know anything about that. <clears throat> but anyway, I'm just saying in front of people, as, as much as you can, never let them see you broken. And I, I just don't do it. And he's 26, so he's probably going to recover from this. But the whole look of him sitting there pouting with the hoodie on his head, it's like, come on, grow up, man. Grow up. It's not a good look. It's not a, it's, it's not a good look. So we talk about that in the body of the show. And you hear him talk about his candidacy for mayor. And look, by the way, I think Cam Newton's going to be fine. He, he makes millions and millions of dollars to play a game that kids play in a park. I think he's blessed and lucky to be able to do it. However, I don't think for the young men who live in inner city communities who idolize him, I don't know that that's necessarily the example you want to send to them. Now, I will say this. He's not the only one who's acted with a lack of class after games. People in many, many sports and of various different ethnicities act out after the end of Games. I don't think in the case of Cam Newton, this is a black thing. I think this is a Cam Newton thing. That's just my opinion. Just mine. Man, what? You, you just wouldn't shut up through that whole <laughs> conversation, Orlando. All right. Former police chief Jeff Leduff is next on podcast225.com. Have you ever wanted to host your own podcast? Coming soon, Clay Young Enterprises and Podcast 225 will be giving you your big chance. You'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment to create a podcast that you can be proud of. You'll have an engineer and a professional show open and close. 
The Clay Young Show is already considered one of the best podcasts in the state. Get the same audio quality and professional packaging for your very own podcast. Stay tuned for more details. Your chance to have your own show is coming soon. This is The Clay Young Show on podcast225.com. Back with former Baton Rouge Police Chief Jeff LaDuff. And I know people have questions about the mayor's race in Baton Rouge, but I'm going to make them wait on that one. All right. We're going to get to that last because we got some other things to talk about. (laughs) So first of all, as we record this, the Super Bowl just happened. Uh, The Carolina Panthers lost to the Denver Broncos. And one of the more interesting things about that game was the physical nature of how uh, the 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 Broncos took it to Cam Newton. What would you think of the game? Man, defense. You know, uh, your your money had to go with the defense yeah. of Denver. Yeah. My 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 I'm an NFC guy. Yeah. You know, so yeah. my heart goes with yeah. anybody who's in the in the championship game. Right. I'm not an AFC guy. Right. You know, and then Hey, man, I watched them play and beat my beloved Saints. So, uh, then the NFC South. So, uh, you know, my heart goes with, with Carolina. But, man, I'm going to tell you, Von Miller was oh, a Oh, my goodness. He was a man yesterday. Uh, Andre uh, DeMarcus Ware. I mean, Ray almost took people out of the game. Man, these, these linebackers and defensive ends, uh, the whole – I didn't realize – I don't watch Denver because I'm not an AFC guy. Yeah. Um, but to see the, the D-backs, the way they, they played the game, uh, the, the defensive line, mm-hmm. man, that defense was possessed. The game plan didn't seem – I mean, look, I'm just a guy watching it, but it didn't seem smart to have him drop back and stand back there and wait on all these long routes to, to develop because the line just feasted on him. They sacked him seven times, man. and they hit him more than that. Yeah. Did you see how Vaughn Miller and DeMarcus Ware come off the corner? It's like, why weren't you getting the ball out of his hands quickly? Why didn't you move him around right. and let him run? Cam right. Newton is 6'5", 260, and that's probably a, a light estimate of his right. size. He's a big man. A big man. Get Huge. him out of the pocket some. And I just uh, – and before the game, okay, on Super Bowl Sunday, I don't really watch much pre-game anything, Right. right? I generally start right before the national anthem when they're doing a little bit of a breakdown and I watch the game. And it isn't because the stuff isn't good. It's just I just want to get to the game. But leading up to the game, I didn't really care for the good guy, bad guy kind of thing people were doing with Cam and Peyton, all of the racial stuff. I mean, Cam Newton is the fourth or fifth black quarterback to have played in a Super Bowl. Right. I mean, at some point, we got to stop talking about it. That's right. It's just a quarterback now. The last last year, there was a black quarterback in the Super Bowl, Russell Wilson. Exactly. And if I'm not mistaken, well, he was in the Super Bowl two years in a row. And then the year before him, it was Colin Kaepernick. Kaepernick. So it's like, you know, you kind of been there, done that. And the fact that ESPN did that so much, I didn't want to watch that right. stuff. And all of the stuff about him dabbing, and I, right. I don't care about that, man. No. It doesn't bother me. But what did bother me is the way Cam Newton conducted himself in the press conference after the game. Horrible. You got to be a grown man. Man, he looked like a pouty little girl. Uh, yes, he did. Yeah. Take the hood off, sitting there pouting, mouth poked out. And then you get up and leave after three minutes. You do a drive-by. Come on, dude. Oh, you did a walkout, man. You, you were just that. named the NFL MVP. My point. Face of the of the league. That's right. 
Let me tell you something. There's two <clears throat> players in the NFL that live by a different code that I really like, and I'm going to tell you why I like them. I like J.J. Watts. Yeah. And I like Cam Newton. Yeah. Now I watch both of them beat my Saints. That's but, a shame. You know. But I'm but, a 49er fan. We we you know, know. we choked we on rope last year. We're going to fix that. Now you're going to do that to we me. We're going to fix that. Come we're on, fix that. <laughs> But anyway, and the reason I like them, this is what they do. I get to the games early. I go to all the home games for the Saints. And I get there early because I like to watch the players warm up. I like to interact with those who will interact with you. And that's few and far between. Two players that I've seen do this, every time I see them, they come out yeah. and they walk around the whole stadium yeah. and they interact with anybody that's there. I think that's caliber, man. Yeah, you know? it's character. That's yeah, right. Yeah, you know, that's high caliber. Yeah. And you do that because we we spend a lot of money to go to those games. And it's great to have a J.J. Watts throw a football at you. Man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 60 years old and excite <laughs> me, so you know what it's doing for the young folks. Yeah. But you can't do that when it's going good. Yeah. And then do what you did last night when what, you lose. Yeah. Life is about losing. But you know, he does that in games that they're not winning. We just hadn't seen it this year because they only lost one, one game. game. But it's again, it pissed me off so bad because I'm thinking, you have little kids watching you, idolizing you, wanting to be like you. And you sit there and pout, like you said, pouting like a little girl and just with the hood on. It's like, grow the hell up, man. Yeah, yeah. Grow up. You're not the first to lose a Super Bowl. I get you were upset about it. I get it. But they're ask, reporters ask questions, and some of them are dumb. But you know what? The reason you get paid millions of dollars for playing a game that most people will do in the park for free is because you're expected to act like a professional. You're being paid to be a professional. And you just won the MVP the night before, twenty four hours earlier. They announced you're the you're the most valuable player, and I think that he's he's going to have a hard time overcoming that. They haven't even gotten on it yet. You watch. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't. We might be looking at another Marshawn Lynch deal where well, there's a set amount of time. I, I agree, but at least in Marshawn Lynch's case, he's 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 always been that way. I'm with you, and he doesn't really do a whole lot of outgoing stuff. He's kind of to himself on the sidelines. Exactly. I, you know, I hate Seattle. I can't stand Seattle. I yeah, hate him. But at least he does that all the time. And he, he said the thing, I think a couple of years ago, I'm just here because they paid me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> I'm just here because they, yeah, they make me. Yeah, I, but I, I mean, he's consistent about there. Yeah. But for Cam Newton, if they had won that game, he would have been grinning and been laughing. And, yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. you got to do it both ways. Because, you know, sometimes in life you lose. <laughs> I wish we could all say we win all the time, but you don't win all the time. But look how gracious, and I hope it's something he learned, because look how gracious Peyton Manning was. Yeah. Even in, that was a big victory he, for them. He, it was, but, you know, Peyton knows that he was along for the ride, and he was yeah, honest yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But when Seattle beat him a couple of years ago, he took it. He still was. You know, Richard Sherman said, told a story about uh, for Seattle, but this is one thing I'll agree with him on. He said when last year when the Patriots beat the Seahawks, and after the game, Tom Brady's kind of on his knees, kind of in the moment, and he stood over him, waiting on him to stand up to tell him congratulations. And he said, I was hurting as much as anybody, but I wasn't going to let you see me hurting. Like the young fella who's sitting with his head in his hands crying. It's like, get off the yeah, field, man. Josh you know you know the camera's right, right there. Right. Get off the field. But did you see what he did before he sat on the bench and cried? 
Why? He went and found one of the best moments in the whole game. And I think it was just caught in a passing glimpse was Josh Norman found uh, Peyton Manning. Oh, when they were on the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, And he ran to him. And he had some words for him. You couldn't see what he said. But he saluted him. He did. The thing is, uh, Jim Nance made a comment about how as a kid, he was a big Colts fan. And Peyton Manning was his favorite player. Exactly. And like, look, man, I get that it hurts. First of all, here's what I say about pro sports. College sports, yes, to a degree, but pro sports. For a year or for a night, you are the best in your profession. Imagine no matter what you do in life every day, right. if you had the chance for a day or at least until the next time comes around to say, nobody did it better than I did it. Exactly. And that's the thing we get from sports. It's I think we live vicariously through them. Just it's the feeling of winning is intoxicating. It, but the world stopped for both of those teams that's yesterday. Exactly man. Right. The world stopped. That's right. You, nobody. Went to uh, Bacchus, it was kind of mad last night, you know, because they had that on the night with the Super Bowl. No way I was going. I'm not missing the Super Bowl. No, no, no. So the world stops when you play the Super Bowl. That's right. For those 52 men on on each team, Mm -hmm. you know. Well, we're gonna have to change that next year, men and women, right? We got a well, a, yeah, a we have a female now, coach. Man. You know, it's the other thing. People were critical of the Bills hiring this woman to be a quality control coach, and basically, she's going to be assisting some of the coaches who are heads exactly. of their departments. Why criticize that? She knew what she was doing. She's she's done the program, but it's like she's why is mentorship? that a, again? I go back to this thing about why. For me, that's great news. It is. There are women who can sit and debate football and who know football, okay? Right. Especially around here between LSU and Southern and the Saints or people there. People know their football. For me, this is, my, I'll be honest with you. I had, and I don't mean this in a bad way, a no big deal reaction. Not that it's a little deal. It's like, that's great that they're doing right. it, but it wasn't like, oh my God, what a wonderful step. And right. I, I know women who can out talk a lot of guys in football. You ever had a conversation with Simone Augustus? Some, I'm not talking basketball no, with Simone, Simone. man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know? I'm that's not right. playing against that's, Simone. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> but, I mean, to, to talk to Simone, uh, uh, somebody with that background, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, when, when I remember having a conversation with Pokey back in the day. Pokey Chapman. Yeah. And, uh, Great coach. Man, just the, the knowledge. And, man, I'm like, I think I'm pretty astute when it comes to athletics. But, but they're competitive, though. Man, I'm scared of them. So, it's, it's, it, that was good to see. Next year, I think it's wide open. Do you think Peyton Manning is going to retire? I think so. You know, his what, what Archie said was probably the most telling of anybody. Okay, what did he say? Because uh, they caught Archie kind of off guard in yeah. the tunnel, yeah. you know, and they asked him the question, and, you know, Archie's just one of them guys. He started talking. Yeah. And Archie kind of went, well, no, maybe, I don't know, but – I think it's. I think he. I don't. I don't poke my nose in it. Is was his exact word, but I think he's done. That's what Archie said. Uh huh. So you know. Uh, well, actually, and Dan Patrick said something too that was interesting that, that I didn't catch that he mentioned, but and Peyton did it twice. He said, "When you play pro sports or for the NFL, you're not allowed to shill." For alcohol companies, you you can't really promote right. alcohol companies. Right. And twice, Peyton said he was going to go drink a lot of Budweiser. <laughs> a lot of Budweiser. Oh, he said, I'm going to go drink a lot of he Budweiser. He didn't say I'm going 
he said it three times. Yeah. He the last time he said, "I'm just going to drink a lot of beer," but twice before he said he Budweiser. Said Budweiser. Right? I said the last time he said Von like Miller a, is buying. It's like sound like a sponsorship. By, by the way, I'm saying he's like you. You mentioned Budweiser. <laughs> Papa John's gave you a kiss on the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was waiting on Peyton to say, "I'm going to have some Papa John's pizza." While wow, drinking yeah, Budweiser, Budweiser and reading over my nationwide insurance uh, premium. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. well, so now that we, we talked about that, here's another thing that you and I, we were going to talk about here today. And it, it has quickly become a national pastime. And that is the documentary Making a Murderer. So I called Jeff weekend before last now and I asked him, had he heard about it? He said, no, I hadn't heard about it. I said, well, check into it. <laughs> and when you start, this was like Friday, right? Yes, you Friday, messed up my whole weekend, Friday, man. <laughs> because by Sunday, he had seen the whole thing. Yes. So I said, how far are you along? I'm finished. And, 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 so you got and, and for those of you who don't know, it is 10 hours. Yes, 10 it is. 10 episodes, yeah. an hour piece. That's right. You will dedicate 10 hours of your it's life. It's addictive. But you can't stop. You cannot stop. You cannot stop. So, it's and everybody has heard me talk about it now, <laughs> but for people who came to the podcast this week just because you knew the chief was going to be here, this Making a Murderer is a documentary on Netflix about uh, a guy in Manitowoc, Wisconsin, Stephen Avery. By which, let me say this, I've been to Manitowoc. Oh, I'm getting to that because he told me this on the phone. I won't tell you everything he said to me about that call on that call. But, Please don't. No, no, no. no. I'll never go back. No, no. But, but we will talk about, we will talk about the, what he saw in the area. So it's about Stephen Avery, a guy. Now, the documentary starts, and I'm just going to do this quickly. I won't give a whole synopsis of the documentary because we want you to watch it. And we're going to just kind of talk about it, assuming you've seen it. Because if you haven't seen it, go watch it. And it starts with the story of Stephen Avery, who spent 18 years in prison for a rape he did not commit. That's right. 18 years in prison for a rape he didn't commit. So that's the first episode. They lay it right out there. Your reaction went just on this one. Wow. I mean, and I know people, listen to me, I know there's people in, in our jails, and I know that mistakes are made sometimes. Oh, sure. And you just know you have the right guy. Yeah. And the other thing was, this was a l- before DNA. Yeah. But that was a couple of things that... He had all of the alibi witnesses that he had. He was pouring concrete with his family. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to uh, to say that you're the guy when you have concrete up to your knees mm-hmm. when they come and get you. Yeah. And everybody, concrete doesn't pour in 10 minutes, y'all. No, it doesn't. You can't just jump into that. No, it doesn't. It's something that has to be done over time. And, and it, it was an all-day event. Yeah. He had enough alibi witnesses. But let me tell you the killing thing for me. Watch this closely. Because the lady described the, her attacker as having white underwear, right? Mm-hmm. He had on white underwear. Well, they come to find out this guy doesn't even own a pair. So when they got him and you and you run the search warrant in your house, man, he got no white drawers. He don't have no drawers. He, 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 when you watch this thing, there is the man on no drugs. Yeah, no, that, that for no, me was like, no, yeah, a little he bit went of information. By a one pair of drugs. That's, that's exactly right. And so there is that, there is that, 
<laughs> and then I think she said she got the color of his eyes wrong because Avery has like blue has, eyes. No, he has brown eyes. Brown eyes. And said blue eyes. That's right. Yeah. And she so was very clear on looking in his well, eyes. Well, when the when the deputy is drawing the the sketch of Avery right. that the documentary overlays to a photo that they already had on right. file. Right. So she had seen the sketch. She basically saw Avery before she got a chance to meet him in the lineup. Exactly. So when she sees him in the lineup, it's like, that's basically that's who him. I described. That's, that's the him. guy. That's him. And, you know, that it's, it's unbelievable. But again, when you learn that he spent 18 years in prison, there wasn't DNA. You got these two guys who could have done this. You can't exonerate. There's no real hard evidence unless you have an ax to grind. Right. But nine years in, they get a call from another law enforcement agency saying, hey, we got a guy over here who confessed to an assault that we think you guys have somebody in, in prison for. And the guy, Colburn, the deputy said, ah, OK, yeah, no, noted. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Nothing happens. Nothing. Nothing. How does that happen? How are there not protocols when something like that happens? There's protocols with, with, with our department. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this is this was a little town, little town justice. You know, um, he didn't have a good reputation Mm-mm. before he was accused of this crime. He kind of had it with one of his cousins who was right. married to a deputy. Right. right. Pissed a lot of people off. That's right. He did. And uh, and from there. He became a marked man. Yes, he did. And, and little towns have that. Oh no, and they remember you too. Yeah, man. I grew up in a little. Yeah, town. as did as did I. Yeah. So, so people know I've heard you. Those stories. And the reputation of, um, the reputation of people in small towns is no matter where you are, someone has heard about your family, your family's reputation for good or bad. Yeah, if man. someone sees you getting into trouble and you're from a family that people consider trouble, it's like no surprise. Right. If you're from a family where that's not really something people know, they go, what, what are you doing, boy? Exactly. I, I know, I know your daddy. I know, you, you know, it's a, right. so uh, he was marked, as you say, but you wouldn't you want to get the guy who assaulted this woman? Clay, let's back up a minute. They, they came to to the Colburn guy yeah. nine years in, but a city officer went to the sheriff days after the arrest right. and said, I don't think you have the right guy. Mm. You need to look at this other guy. Mm-hmm. And we got it. Well, let me tell you, the, the safeguard for this is, if a name comes up in the course of a criminal act, you have to you have to go after that name. Right. I don't care if you think you have your guy or not. Mm-hmm. You got to follow the trail because you got to get to court and be able to say mm, he's gone. Right. And he's gone. And he's gone. We followed these leads. And you know the interesting thing was, and I compare that to watching my guys when I was the chief. I used to go to those crime scenes. And, and I watched how they did it, and, mm-hmm. you know, I watched them do the interviews, and I watched them, I followed back up, and they doing this, they've been out for 20 hours, you know. What, what are y'all doing for 20 hours, man? Well, we got this lead. We got to follow it through, Chief. We got to follow this lead. So I, none of that happened in, no. in this, man. No. And, you know, the irony for me is I don't think when they started recording this, yeah, I thought they – I bet you they thought they were going to do 
like we spent an hour yeah. or two, yeah. you know, getting some data. I told you. You mean the ladies who do the, did the documentary? The, the whole documentary? I told you they stumbled into the Zapruder film. It's, it's like it's like Zapruder. They're yeah. there to film this guy's story, and lo and behold, this other drama unfolds right in front of them. And and then now he has carried for twenty years. No question. No question. So that's amazing. So man. going back to you know, so he gets out, like you said. I I'm a believer that law enforcement, by and large, they do the best job they can. Sure. Okay. I agree. But law enforcement is like religion, politics, or any other aspect of life. You're never going to find all good guys. No. There's it doesn't exist anywhere. Okay, and I don't think even as a former law enforcement executive, I think you would agree with that. Yeah, you can't say it's perfect that you don't have one bad apple. But in this case, the thing that I couldn't I still can't get my arms around is even if you believe the documentary is one sided and there's there are a small percentage of people who believe that still some of the conduct, though, should make you go, oh, really? You get a phone call and you just ignore it. You don't even and you admit your guilt by not producing a report about the call until after he gets out. Yeah. So even if you want to say the I day was after. the day after, because you you realized, oh, I got to cover well, yeah, my yeah, gotta, yeah, we gotta <laughs> cover CYA my backside. Now, yeah. Right. And so that's what he does. Just watching that after having spent so much of your life doing it. What was your reaction I, to it? That. Number one, you have a, a, a you're bound by law to do the right thing. Right. And and that's the guys I know, man. Yeah. You know, I've watched again, I've watched my investigators follow a lead that they knew weren't going anywhere. You know? I watch uniform officers walk that lead to the investigator mm-hmm. and say, Hey man, this guy over here just told me there was a guy with purple hair. With green shoes on, right, right. you know, driving a, right. a moon truck, right, you know, right, right. <laughs> the the lunar landing. Right, right. They had go to go check look it for out. It. And that, I think that's how you have to do it. They didn't do that, you know. They didn't do that. So jumping ahead, he is now the toast of Wisconsin. He is the face of the Innocence Project, a man who spent nine years of his life and probably if you count what he what whatever time he was held while this was being investigated or being adjudicated he spent all that time in prison now he's the toast of you know 18 years i said nine years 18 18 years years. plus that time and this young woman who works for auto trader goes missing she's missing four days now the documentary kind of in a very very brilliant way leaves it out there where you're thinking no, they're not going to say that Stephen did this, huh? Because you're te- they begin to tell these two stories at one time, and then they end an episode right. with one of the guys saying, "Do you have Avery in custody?" So that's like, okay, well, uh, maybe eleven thirty, but I got to watch another <laughs> yeah, episode I gotta go now. See the next one. So Teresa Holbeck is her name, who, by mm-hmm. the way, is the biggest victim of all of this because she, she was murdered, and right. I don't think we yet know who murdered her because I don't believe Stephen Avery did it based upon what I've seen. That's mm-hmm. just my opinion, right? So she goes missing. Avery gets arrested because her RAV4 is found basically unaccosted on his salvage yard with branches leaning up against it. And lo and behold, they find blood in the RAV4 Mm -hmm. from Avery that they tested after the fact. No fingerprints now. And they search his house. And after the on the eighth search, they find her key in the key fob. 
and then they find a bullet in his garage. Okay, so those are the broad strokes. Let's narrow it down. First question that I'm going to ask you that it this popped right out. How in the hell? And because maybe the law says this, and I just don't know it. Because you're a law guy, you did it. I didn't. How does the law give the law enforcement agency the right to kick you out of your house for eight days I've never seen with that. a search warrant and you can't even go back in your house? I, I, I've never seen that. I mean, they actually evicted them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you have search warrants have a, a timetable on them. Mm-hmm. An arrest warrant for certain crimes like murder never expire. You You can... You can run for 50 years and that warrant is still But that's a warrant for arrest. arrest. What about search? search? Is it it's possible that a judge could say we're going to give you open-ended access to something? Man, let me tell you. Because the Constitution protects your property. Yeah. And, you, and the law says you're presumed innocent until proven guilty. I've never seen it. You know, for me, that's when it got real for me. Uh, you know, a lot of this... And and I watch, I'm police, man, yeah. you know? So I'm watching the first, all of this stuff with a skeptical eye. Yeah. You know, because. Because you're going to err on the side of law enforcement because you did it. Because and you want to be certain. If somebody's going to accuse right. law enforcement of not exactly. doing the right thing, exactly. they better be exactly. right about they that. They got to be right. They got to be right. So it, when that part came along and, and the key just mysteriously shows up again, it made me feel like he was targeted. Yeah. Yeah. So and what he's referencing is if you haven't seen it in another, you know, you got to go watch it. But seven times they search the house. They don't find anything on the eighth search. They found the key. Now, what's interesting about that is because of Stephen Avery's past issues with the Manitowoc Sheriff's Office, they were only to participate as an assistant to the Think, I think it was the Calumet uh, Sheriff's Office. They were only supposed to help them. And if they were on the properties in search or helping out, they were supposed to always be with someone from the other sheriff's department. I don't want to say under supervision. I think I heard that a lot. And maybe, maybe it's a little far to say that, but they weren't supposed to be alone. Right. Just so they, that they would have plausible deniability if ever there was an allegation that they planted something. Well, the two key pieces of evidence, the key and the bullet, were found by the Manitowoc Sheriff's Office. Right. Right. And it was the story given by the 16 year old cousin that I'm going to get to in a little bit with the interrogation was I'll jump forward then backwards is he said she was raped and assaulted in the bedroom. Her throat was slashed. She was tied to the bed, then taken out of the house into the garage where she was shot in the head and then thrown in the back of the well, they, they surmised that she was thrown in the back of the rap for then they took her out of the RAV4, threw her in the in the uh, bonfire, and then parked the RAV4, you know, a few yards away from his trailer on that 40-acre salvage yard. Right. So they they cut her throat, mm-hmm, allegedly, and there's no blood in the house. No, no blood, no hair, no nothing. 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 No. Now, and now DNA is... In play now. Oh, absolutely. This is 2005. This, yeah, yeah. DNA is alive absolutely. and well yeah. at this point. But, and, and not just that. Technology, the lights, the uh, the sprays, the the chemicals that can be used yeah. to to show you where blood has been and been an attempt to clean. All those things are here now. And, again, that's when I, you got to look at this and say, hmm. <laughs> 
How is there no blood? None. No rope fiber. No, no rope. Hair. Right. No nothing. And the and the rifle that they said was used to kill her, they found hanging over his bed. Right. And the first thing is, so he is smart enough to get rid of all of that blood, which would make him the most genius cleanup man in the history of crime. And then he leaves the gun above right. the bed, and then he leaves the key and and the the guy Link says that it was behind the shelf and he shook the shelf and it and fell it out. Yeah, they moved the shelf. And they, then in the garage, there is a bullet with a little blood on it, but no other blood in the garage. A garage floor, by the way, that had not been cleaned because you could clearly see the oil stains and everything right. down there. So how did he get all the blood up? Well, you you couldn't have removed all the blood. It spatter goes tiny little fragments, and they looked at they examined. Every piece of junk. Absolutely. Because it was full of junk. Absolutely. I mean, drop, drop, take a can of tomato sauce in your house. Mm-hmm. Stand up in your kitchen. Mm-hmm. And from your shoulder height, just drop it and run and watch what happens to it. You will be cleaning tomato sauce out your kitchen <laughs> for the next 16 years, that's man. That's right. That's You're right. You're going to find tomato sauce right. all, you know. No blood. So, no. It, it, that's how spatter works. So, you know. I'm going to tell you, um, I think safeguards, and, and, and I'm so glad I worked where I worked mm-hmm. and, and got to see it, you know, to have a DA that comes to the scenes and and have the wherewithal to see this from start to finish, right. to have investigators from the DA, to have your chief of detective out there, to have your chief of police out there, to, to, to stand back. But you're seeing it. Yeah. You know, I mean, to you can raise those questions. What was your reaction to Ken Kratz having the press conference where they had interviewed Brendan Dassey? And we learned, because we're going to talk about that, that interrogation, because as, a, well, in a lot of ways, you still are involved in law enforcement because people still ask you to come out and talk. You know, mm-hmm. custom security here locally, mm-hmm. they have you endorsing, custom security customer, by the way, they have you endor- <laughs> endorsing their, their service. Um, when you see Ken Kratz call together all of the media, which included some national eyes, all right, to tell the story of what happened to Teresa Holbeck in graphic terms, there ain't no way in a small community if you see that, that it's not going to affect you. Right. So when he gives this press conference that I think he was clearly trying to taint the jury pool to the degree that they heard these details before they were before they were brought in. You can't say you hadn't heard it. Now, see, that's the guy I really don't trust in Ken, all of this. Yeah, he's I one. think he's. Yeah. Whatever went wrong, he was. It was him. Mm-hmm. It, it's something wicked about mm-hmm. that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he even admitted it in a Dateline uh, interview recently, a couple Fridays ago, that he regrets having done the press conference. Well, he gave up. That's called discovery. That, that's, you, the defense got to get that through discovery. Mm-hmm. And you give it the day you have an interview? You know, nobody gives up that, that information, man. Nobody. So now let's talk about the interrogation of Brendan Dassey. Man, juveniles are protected. That he wasn't. never happened in this community. He wasn't. They checked him out of class. His mother didn't know they were getting Man, him out of class. Let me tell you. It, you know, I've never been an investigator. So my DA, if I start talking, 
he would be looking at me saying, don't you give up none of my case. Uh, my investigators would be looking saying, don't you give up none of my case. So I, you have to learn right. what you can and can't say because the microphone is going to go in your mouth right. as soon as the media sees mm-hmm. you. So let me say this as an aside. I, I want you to finish, but just just to just to further endorse what you're saying. You're one of my best friends, right? <laughs> right. We talk all the time, even exactly. when I was doing radio every day. Yeah. And even when we were talking, if there was something you couldn't talk about, you just say, oh, I can't really talk about it. No. And I wouldn't pry because no. I got it. So I know that to be true. It's like, yeah, I got to stay away from that. Right. And so if and my my thing is, even even though we were friends, if it was an ongoing thing, I still tell Hiller the same thing. It's like, let me know what areas of this are off limits to the public because it's still ongoing. And he would tell me, and it's like, you got it. And for you, so I know, and we laugh and talk about everything, including Manitowoc County, some of the stuff y'all won't get to hear here. It's like, so I know that to be true, that you wouldn't go places you're not supposed to go because it's the law. You don't want to mess it up. And and my guys are out there working. Right. And, I I mean, they're spending hours days right running down these leads man not missing stuff with their family and i'm gonna go and just ruin it because i can't keep my mouth Mm -hmm. shut because i'm so glad we made this arrest i'm gonna go and just we will simply say and i know people get tired of hearing this it's still under investigation but it's the truth it's the truth but here's the thing not only do you if you if you don't do that you screw the the state's side the prosecuting side yes. but you also screw the other side which is what happened it's, in this case in a little town people formed their opinion hearing what happened to this woman but let me tell you who you hurt the most and, and I've been on the other side of this you hurt the victim's family absolutely you hurt that family, yeah. man. Imagine you know, that mother and father hearing the story of what happened to their 25-year-old daughter. Exactly. But now, let me, let me tell you what else. They got to live with the thought, since this is out, do we have the right guy? Right. It's unfair. Yeah. It, it's unfair. When, you know, one of the things that I, I remember the most, people will lie. And, and I remember when, when, <laughs> Just they, a little when bit, the kid a little bit. that killed my brother-in-law, when he said in court, in the witness stand with his hand raised that he spoke to me and the reason he gave a statement is that I told him if you give a statement I'm going to get you out of this man that's what he said Wow. that's what he said that I gave him my word that if he said he he killed my brother-in-law that I was going to get him out of this mess now number one I never went to the scene right thank God yeah Number two, never talked to the guy because I didn't go to headquarters. By the time they started interviewing him, they found out that my family member was involved. Mm-hmm. So that was my wife's youngest brother. Yeah. So we shut down at that point. I stopped being the police chief, and I started being a husband. Absolutely. And a, a son-in-law. And a member of the victim's family. And a dad. Yeah. And a victim myself mm-hmm. because I've been knowing this kid since he was seven years old. Mm-hmm. He used to sit on my lap, Mm -hmm. all right? I tickled him. I've been knowing him his whole life. So I didn't go. But to to tell me that and to say that in court and and have that's that's kind of like how I see this. Mm -hmm. The victim's family, to hear that 
it put them in the same place we were mm-hmm. when when they told that story of, to the media. And for what gain? That was my question. I, I just think they wanted to make certain that they had turned the public. I mean, from from a PR standpoint where where I do have some experience, I think they were trying to get the narrative out into the public. Right. And, and put the defense at a deficit from start because they knew if we get mo because they got to we're going to have to interview a jury. And they didn't get a jury from someplace else. They no. got members of a jury from Manitowoc, Manitowoc, which was interesting as it is. But there were so many things about this that were that were puzzling. But back to the interrogation of this kid. Mm-hmm. So I heard that. I'm going to tell you, when I heard the story at the press conference, when, when I'm watching the documentary, even in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, man. Because now somebody else is saying you did it. And now I'm thinking, well, maybe... Maybe this guy did do this mm-hmm. because you don't know. I mean, you don't exactly. really know Stephen Avery. You don't. No, I mean, I you don't. you know what no. you're seeing in the documentary, but then when you see the interrogation and you realize the kid never offered any information, they put it out there and hooked him to it. Mm-hmm. Even when the interrogators are saying, "Tell us what happened," you know, the only way we're going to go easy is if you tell us the truth. Um, uh, tell us about you know wh- what happened to her. Something with the head. And he well, they he cut her hair. Uh, he punched her. Um, well, I'm just going to ask the question: Who shot her in the head? Oh, he did. And then he's got his head in his hands, and he's as he's telling his mother as she's in the room, they got to my head. Now, this is someone with a learning disability, an IQ of 70. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's then his court-appointed attorney, who by the way had just run for office and was, you know, this little piece of who was just looking for attention. He was working against this kid. He was working again. I watching this thing, man. And listen, I watched this. Do I think Stephen Avery have some issues? I do. Yeah, he definitely has I, issues. I think he has throwing some, a some live criminal, cat in the fire. Is, yeah, yeah, that's some, you know, some criminal yeah, issues. Yeah. Um, is he a, a, a saint? No, 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 no not no. at all. But I know he didn't rape that woman. We know that. We know that. Uh, that we can be we can be sure that. it's he been did 18 proven. years for right that. but at the end of the day the the one thing that i take from this is that kratz that da i think he he manipulated no a lot of people man i think he is at the center of whatever went wrong from the beginning he he's an evil man do you know he sent stephen avery a letter Asking Stephen Avery to confess the crime to him, Ken Kratz, so he could write about it in his book. Right. I mean, who does that? I, not a DA. <laughs> who who does that? You know, the, the thing I want folks to understand is that this doesn't happen in every town USA. No. It, it's not crooked like that, yeah. man. Tell me about Manitowoc. Manitowoc. Years ago. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to have to be careful. Yeah, you better be careful. Uh, <laughs> I heard the unedited story. No, no crimes were committed. No Nothing, crimes I'm committed, not talking about committed. We're not talking about anything like that. But uh, years ago, I went through a motorcycle instructor school Yeah, uh, outside of Milwaukee yeah. with Harley Davidson and Northwestern uh, Traffic Institute were the instructors. First ever Harley Davidson instructor school. That would allow me to come back to Baton Rouge mm-hmm. and certify motorcycle riders here. And in the area, which we use still today. Yeah. Uh, it was a great course. Now, on one of those days, we had to take a long ride. Now, 
to tell you, I was a pretty good motorcycle rider back in the day. And uh, when I get to the school, I met this gentleman who was a Wisconsin uh, uh, highway patrolman, mm -hmm. retired. Mm -hmm. He was the instructor of the class. Great guy. But he, he, he looked like he was made out of shoe leather. I mean, he was just rough looking and a great guy. But the first day I rode, I remember him looking at me and telling me, he said, son, uh, you ever rode a motorcycle before? And, and, and I made everything he asked us to do. But I was hot dogging it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I said, yes, sir. He said, uh, you know how to get back to Louisiana? Because this was a three-week school or so. And this was day one. I said, yes, sir. He said, well, you uh, do that again. And uh, you'll be going back to Louisiana because I don't think you're going to make it. So I was scared to death, man. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I started paying attention. You know, the first week passed. You know, we got through. We had the weekend. And the second week, we had to take a long ride. Yeah. And we were riding. Uh, they brought the motorcycles to this little town. And I don't remember exactly where we start. But we rode through Manitowoc into Green Bay and then up into Appleton County. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, beautiful country, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. And uh, food wasn't so good. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the people weren't, uh, they were friendly. Yeah. But, but it wasn't like my, Beverly Hills. Yeah, they were very friendly people. That's all I can say. They were, they were friendly people. I'll let y'all hook. Here's one question I want to ask you. Are there any black people in Manitowoc? Because no. they weren't in this documentary. I was the only one. <laughs> I was the only one. They were friendly. They were friendly. And so you were a little different. Because I didn't see one in 10 episodes of this documentary. Funny. Not even passing by in the courtroom. It's just, it's unbelievable. No. That's what I tell people about this thing, that the Stephen Avery case has no racial aspect at all because everybody in the town is white. No, it's not race. It's not about race. It's about right and wrong. It's about right and wrong. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know what's going to end up happening with with him. I, I do think he's going to get a new trial. I think it's gonna, I think it's going to happen at some point. He's right. got this new attorney from Chicago, and she's already poking holes in a lot of the things that were said. But my question is, those things already had holes in them, and the judge, Patrick Willis, just ignored them. Yeah. And then how do you, even on the basis of the way, it took two times for that judge in the Dassey case to dismiss his attorney, even though the attorney had his investigator browbeat this kid for two hours. Never seen anything like that. He wrote a he wrote a letter to the judge saying he wasn't involved. And the guy basically said, that's not good enough. He made him and then made him draw a diagram. And then he calls the prosecutor. Or calls the attorney who's going to talk to the prosecutor. Say, "Oh yeah, we got it now. We yeah, we I think we got it good." And then he allows the. It's just the whole thing was just to me bass backwards. That just yeah, you know. I, you know we would never talk to a juvenile like that. We would never, you know. The mother says they the investigator said they asked for permission to talk to him and invited the mother to to sit in, and uh, the mother said that didn't happen. Right. They told her she couldn't. Right. So. We would never talk to a juvenile. And we have a thing called the Advocacy Center where we have trained experts who, because even though this kid is 16, he has the mentality of a probably a nine-year-old. Mm -hmm. so, if that old. If that, yeah. So very reclusive, mm -hmm. you know, just very inward with everything. We would have, we'd have, we would have had experts. Mm -hmm. Through them, we'd have conducted that interview. And and 
And I don't think they – I bet you still today they don't have an avenue. Absolutely. It, and, you know, a, a couple more things. When, when his little 14-year-old cousin broke down on the witness stand and, say, and said she made up the story about Brendan that she – I mean, that was just dismissed. Yeah. It was like the fact that she just said he never told me that. You know, that's – the Averys have some issues. Because they all lie. They, they, they ain't never scared of a lie. <laughs> right. You know, so I, I will say that. I, I pick, you know, you, when you're looking at them, you, you, you wonder, because I know people, I, I grew up with a family, and uh, if something happened in our community, everybody assumed sure. it was them. Absolutely. Now, were they good people? Yeah. I, I mean, but they just got labeled that way. Yeah. Did that happen there? Did were they just uh, uh, what did the daddy do maybe it's because they don't wear drawers i don't know man because they don't have drawers <laughs> well, in the you know, house. I, I, don't I know i just think you know, generally it, speaking if you're wrong. out in public without underwear you're probably <laughs> doing something wrong yeah, so man. i wear underwear <laughs> yes, I want for the record. Right. yes <laughs> yes for the record we both do so <laughs> so all right so now uh, uh Let's talk about the other elephant in the room. I told you I'll make you wait for it. So here we go. 45 minutes in. Here we go. Let's get to it. Your name has been thrown out there in Baton Rouge, depending on where you're listening to uh, us. In Baton Rouge, there is going to be an election for the mayor, actually mayor president in uh, this parish and, and city. And there are a few names that are already declared. And a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> a friend of mine, Stephanie Regal with the Business Report, dropped the name of uh, Mr. Jeff LaDuff here mm-hmm. and set off all kinds of alarms and fireworks. And I'm sure your right. phone was blowing up. It did. I'll just ask you, where are you on that whole thing? We, you know, we, my wife and I want to go away and we were supposed to have done that the last couple of days, but uh, a little situation in our family kept that from happening. Mm-hmm. But before we make a decision, uh, I want to sit with my wife. Sure. And because this affects, I, I live the life of a, a city parish executive mm-hmm. for six years. And um, you miss a lot. Yeah. You know, she has to sacrifice a lot. Not to mention all the time you spent on the streets as a law enforcement officer. Exactly. You know, those, officer. those years, uh, you don't get back those memories. And uh, so before we make that solid decision, and uh, one way or the other, we, we I have to talk to the to the leader of the clan, you know. Uh, I was the chief, but she he, hey, he's not she lying about that either. She the boss. <laughs> he's not lying about yeah. that. So, um, yeah, man, that that's what we are. Just thinking so, about it. We still in that, and man. I'm sure you've gotten a lot of uh, support from the public if you decide that you want to do it. Exactly. You know, in terms of law enforcement in that office, I'll just ask you this, and you know, we'll leave it alone. People ask. Well, he was he was a police officer and he was police chief. What what qualifications does he have to be mayor president? Well, you know, I mean, you are a city parish executive. Um, I'm familiar with the the rules of city parish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I operated a, a business that had an eighty four million dollar budget. Uh, I operated uh, a business that had nearly a thousand employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. As far as uh, leading in a city parish, knowing the, uh, the the plan of government and being able to uh, to work with different agencies and understand the role and function of those different agencies, we did that every day for six years. So, you know, I think that uh, you don't have to be a politician 
And in terms of being a unifier, you can walk into any part of this community and have conversation with people and know people and have access in ways that maybe not everybody can. But you know this town backwards and forwards. Man, I love Baton Rouge. (laughs) I I will just tell you, uh, no matter where I've gone, you know, everybody has places they want to live. Yeah. You know, and uh, and I've been blessed. We've traveled and seen some other places. But, man, it is nothing, oh, my God. When, when you're flying back into Baton Rouge and you're coming in and, and you, I like to land at night. Yeah, yeah. Because you see that skyline. No question. You see, you know, I, I, I know about where my house That's is. That's exactly, yeah. You know where, yeah. where LSU and yeah. Southern yeah. is. Yeah. And, yeah. and you yeah. see that state capital yeah. Yeah. just shining over that river. Man, look, I got you. Man, I love <laughs> yeah. Baton Rouge. I feel, boy. You know, it's so funny. I feel the same way. And I always say about Louisiana is she's not perfect, but she's ours. Man, and our people. And, you know, the food, the and, you know, traveling, moving. First of all, the pacing. Traffic here is frustrating. And and I will be the yeah, first yeah, to oh admit it, it, it'll piss you off every day. But... If you've ever driven on the 405 in Los Angeles, oh, yeah. you realize, yeah, it's not that bad. Right. You right. know, it's uh, uh, the Beltway in Washington. Oh, my. So, you know, the 95. So it's 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 one of those things where you, you know, you love the city and you see all the potential of what it could be. And in terms of all of the divisions that people are trying to create, I do think you need someone who can speak to unifying the city in a way that makes us understand that we are a lot better than some say we are. And I do think that there are brighter days ahead. I really believe that. I'm going to tell you, I've seen Baton Rouge at its worst. I see Baton Rouge when the the doors close, when the lights go out. Mm -hmm. I've seen Baton Rouge, and I'm telling you, our gift is our people. Man, I saw doing Katrina. I saw the call when the mayor made the call that those babies were sitting in, in, in our mega shelter, mm-hmm. the river center, yeah. without toys, without clothes. Man, I saw rich, poor, white, black, mm-hmm. Asian, Hispanic load their trucks. Come together. With yeah. stuff they had in the house, man. Yeah. I mean, we had, to, we had to get back on television and say, stop coming. Yeah. Stop coming. Yeah. You know, I, I see us feed people. Yeah. I watch us just reach out. That's our gift, man is the people. And I'm not talking about any particular section of Baton Rouge. No, everything. you find good folk Everywhere. all over Baton Rouge. Listen, there are, places, there are places in every quarter of this town where I can, I know I can find some catfish or a steak or something. Man, or just, I can go knock on the door. <laughs> that's right. Listen, I used to write tickets in front of your house. You remember me? Yeah. <laughs> right. Come on in, boy. <laughs> well, you know, that's it's interesting because you were chief during Katrina. Katrina. Uh, during Gustav. Gustav. Man. Yeah, that's right. And so we've we've had you've seen we've talked about this on previous shows. Law, you know, people under your command who've died in the line of duty. Yeah, man. So you have seen the best and the worst of Baton Rouge and to love the community because I do. I talk about the beauty of Louisiana on drives to Bossier, you know, because I do business up there as well. That drive is re- relaxing, man. Yeah, the trees, the the tree line, and just every. I think that. We do have to look forward to what we can be instead of spending so much time looking backwards at what we used to be. Does that make sense? Oh, my God, man. This is a beautiful community. 
you know, go downtown. You know, I, I mean, I, I love the progress that we made, yeah. and I give that credit to our seated mayor. Yeah. Whomever gets this job, they got big shoes to fill. No man. question. I, built I, some I roads here, I tell you that, when people said, look, because I remember the connectivity that didn't exist in a lot of ways, and what's happening on the I-10, it's a federal highway. So, I mean, it's a little mm-hmm. bit bigger than the pay, pay grade of just but the mayor. But There's a couple of things, and, and I want to just say this. Traffic congestion, a lot of times, is caused by habit. We had another program in our community called the Green Light. Yeah. And we have made a lot of connectivity. What, what our people need to do is be educated that there's more than one street in Baton Rouge. Everybody thinks we used to get drive I-10 right. without congestion. Right. But we have grown yeah. exponentially. Yeah. So talk to your children, yeah. man. When yeah. they start driving, educate them that – this street now connects to that street. Right. Surface streets. Let's let's get on. Man, I have so many ways to get to different parts of this it, town, depending on the time of the Because I actually, if I can help it during the day, I don't like getting on the interstate. I, I don't use it. <laughs> because I don't, you know, it's now later in the day, early, early in the morning. Yeah, it's fine. But probably after about seven o'clock, you're likely to sit there for a second. Yeah, man. Because it bottlenecks, you well, know. Come in here. Yeah. I, I mean, where I live, yeah. to get here, straight shot down the That's interstate. no question. But I didn't use no, it. No, I don't Stayed use it either. That's exactly right. I do that every morning coming into here. five, six minutes. No question. I'm I'm rarely ever delayed. Of course, I think sometimes there's a train that passes on the track near where I am, and I think the guy's sightseeing because he's always cruising. I think I'm, I'm going to see the conductor with one arm leaning out of the window smoking a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, it's unbelievable. Well, listen, I, I wanted to address that with you. And also to have you here, this is our 50th podcast. 50? Congratulations. <laughs> so I had to have you here for this. It's, hey, it's fun. You've it, done three listen, of them now. And yeah, man. I, you know, uh, I enjoy it. Oh, man. It, we, we have fun. Some of it's, the conversations we have over the phone, if those became it's like podcasts. It's on the back porch, man. You know? <laughs> so, so, some of uh, our phone conversations, if, if we ever made those into podcasts, we'd have to charge for them. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> they would be highly edited. I'll tell <laughs> yeah, you know, we don't edit these, but we would edit those. (laughs) (laughs) The Manitowoc conversation, let me tell you, it was my treat to hear it. I saw you tiptoeing around that. And you know what? I let you off the hook. Please do. Because, you know, if you know know Jeff, he's not diplomatic. You know, you know, you're not. I'm going to say it. Look, he's over there. He's rubbing his hands. He's looking around. (laughs) He's trying to figure out not to say some of these things. It's like, should I grill him? I said, no, I'll let him off the hook. Let me go. <laughs> well, so, listen, whenever you decide I may have to go back to that. Part of <laughs> <laughs> no, you wouldn't go back if you said not, this. Not if is still there. I'm not going back. He is there. He's, he's, he's running a private law firm now, though. Yeah, that's over what he's there. Doing. By the way, the end of the documentary, it's interesting with him with the text messages he was sending wow. to victims of sexual violence. That guy's crooked, man. Man, there's no he's doubt evil. about it. There's no doubt. Whatever you decide one way or the other. Here's hoping you'll come back and tell us about it. We certainly will. All right. Former Baton Rouge Police Chief Jeff Leduff. Thanks, Chief. Hey, my pleasure. Promote your business or organization on podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. 
posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Clay Young here with John Conroy, the founder and owner of Pest Stop Do-It-Yourself Pest Control. Now is the time to start thinking about prepping your lawn and getting ready when this cold weather finally gets out of here, John. Let's talk about termites. Oh, yeah. With the warmer weather moving in, if you're seeing little winged critters flying around your house, that's usually an indication that you've got a subterranean infestation somewhere. So the thing you want to do is to, one, look around the bottom of the slab to see if you find the tunnels. If you find the tunnels, then you need to come see us because we carry the exact same products that the professionals use. And applying those products in a trench will generally give you protection for up to 12 to 14 years. Now's the time to start thinking about it. If you're in the New Orleans area, how can they find you? Well, our Metairie store is located at 3512 Severn Avenue next to the Pepper Mill in Covington. We're located at 1417 North Causeway. That's in the same shopping center as Sherwin-Williams. On uh, the West Bank, we're on the Palco just before the Harvey Bridge and in Baton Rouge, we're at 806 O'Neill Lane. Treat your home and lawn with the products available at Pest Stop. Welcome back to the Clay Young Show. Nice. All right. yeah, that's right. Nice. We're going here. The police chief... Former police chief Jeff Leduff with a great interview. He's such a great guy. All right, awesome. And he's super genuine, and he's just, he's really, really a good guy. And that whole thing about mayor, that's totally up to him. Whatever he he chooses to do, obviously it's, it's his decision, and when he's decided, he'll let us know. But he's a treasure to Baton Rouge, no matter how you look at it. Right. Now, back to what we were talking about before we got <laughs> back on here about rugby, and I was telling you that, you what did you say, real men what? Real men play rugby, and I just think because, you know, uh, with rugby, you just have a mouth guard, and football players all padded up, and just, you know, it's just like such an aggressive sport. Like, But all of the guys who have had concussions and oh, busted oh, knees so and all... rugby players have not yeah, had but, concussions But, but I mean, it's, it's not... It's not it's, I'm sure, but it's not at the rate of American football sure players. I mean, there, there's a movie, for goodness sake, about I'm what happens to football sure players. I know. Listen, you're from South Africa. You've got the right to... to be in love with rugby. It's it's the football of your native area. And, you know, that's fine. I'm just here to tell you that you're wrong. Oh, so. gee, thanks. <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, we got to talk a little bit quickly here, 90 seconds or less, about this year with people, and we won't drop any names, but the people who are going to be doing podcasts on the website. Ooh, I mean, you yeah. talk about it in that commercial that runs on the show, but it's real. We've got people who are already in line waiting to pull the trigger on having their own show. So if you're interested in hosting a radio show, podcast, now's the time to think about it. Yeah, and there's like such a like wide variety of things and topics that you can just discuss and talk about. One of the shows that we're going to be launching on the on the site will be a music show. Oh, really? Yeah. That'll be good. It's going to be very good, specifically at one time, one part of the day. Right. I don't want to say what, but it's going to be really, really good. So there's a lot of news coming, and uh, we'll have a new spot coming up here probably in next week's show that will tell you a little bit more about how you can have your own show. And we're 50 in. Congratulations. That is awesome. To everybody involved here. We're glad to do 50, and hopefully we'll do another more 150, than 50. No, more than 350, that. <laughs> you know, we'll keep it going. 50. All right, until next week, we appreciate the Chief being on. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook 
or at uh, Twitter at Clay Young BR there. And of course, the CYE Facebook page where that video that we posted got so many uh, good comments from everybody from our trip to Bossier there. So until next week, hit the subscribe button to get the show in your podcast app on your Apple device, whether it's your phone, your iPad, your Mac computer, whatever you can get it there. And the show is free. Get all this stuff for free at the Talk 1073 mobile app, obviously at iTunes for those Apple devices. And of course, you can get it at podcast65.com. The NFL rules. <laughs> no. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.